I get to wear better clothes than you. I'm not wearing jeans like a fucking peasant. See, so. that's the difference between us. Because I'd be like, I'd be wearing those fucking like XXXL like sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast. My name is Andy. Along with me, as usual, are my two wonderful co-hosts, Kelsey and Ryan. And this week we have a whole bunch of news going on. It was a bit lighter in the comic department, but I'm sure we'll still talk forever about comics and news. We had uh, a bit of a controversial issue with a variant cover that came out that's going to be coming out next week, but is no longer. Uh, We have a brand new costume for a queen of the Amazons. Yes. (laughs) A death in a kind of classic comic family. And Marvel released a brand new trailer for Age of Ultron. They also made an announcement uh, about just how crazy Secret Wars is going to get with some of the comics continuing. And we also had uh, some pretty big revelations on this week's episode of The Flash. Uh, But before we get into that, guys, how are you doing? Awesome. So good. So good. Oh, my gosh. It's got my financial aid check, Holmes. I'm so good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. I got my bonus, actually. But I that just went straight into this thing called a wedding fund, so I don't see any of that. What do you get bonuses for? Uh, For putting up with freaking mouth breathers for a year. You guys get bonuses? Hell, yeah, I do. What the fuck? (laughs) I'm a manager. I mean, only managers do. I didn't know about that when we were working there. I don't know, but I definitely do. Oh, you piece of shit. Anyways. It's for putting up with people like yesterday. I had this guy yesterday, no joke, and he's like, hey, I really like Devil May Cry. What should I play? And I was like, oh, Bayonetta is awesome. Made by the same guys. It's a like, witch who uses her hair as machine guns. He's like, and he, mm, but it's a woman. The, straight up. He looked me in the eyes, and he goes, I'm a man. And I was just like, okay, I don't know what the fuck that means. So am I. And I played the shit out of Bayonetta. Yeah, bro, I have also worked at GameStop. I know. Uh, God. <laughs> I had to walk in the back because I was like, nope, I'm going to get fired if I talk to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally my life. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, nah, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> new record for Tangent, 30 seconds in. What up? Oh, yep, yeah. <laughs> Breaking new barriers here only on Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast. <laughs> but unfortunately, we start the week off with um, what was, I guess, problematic is probably the best word to use to describe this news. Yeah. Batgirl 41 had a variant cover by artist Raphael Albuquerque, and um, it depicted... The Joker essentially holding Babs hostage with a gun straped around her chest, very clearly referencing the Killing Joke storyline. And immediately as it was released to solicits, there was a lot of pushback from, you know, men, women, people of all shapes, sizes, colors, whatever. People were pretty upset with the cover because it very much took away kind of, uh, it kind of takes away the agency of... um, of Barbara in the fact that of just having her up there to be as kind of like a spectacle for this really traumatic thing that happened during um, Alan Moore's Killing Joke. And it actually ended up being the artist, Raphael Albuquerque, who made the call to want to pull it down. And so next week, the variant cover that was going to be released will not. It's part of a long string of DC variant covers celebrating the 75th anniversary of the Joker character. But this one was probably not the best choice and i know i'm personally pretty happy that rafael albuquerque made the call to you know pull it from the shelves 
the the main reason he ended up making the call to pull it is not because the initial complaints about it, although that was part of it. But um, what happened was people who were complaining about it on Twitter started receiving death threats from other comic book fans, mm-hmm. um, like saying that they were going to kill them if they got it pulled. Or, like, they were going to kill them because they were complaining about the cover. So Albuquerque decided to just pull it all together. Yeah. Honestly, I think G. Willow Wilson, our shining beacon of everything, um, pretty much just summed it up all perfectly in the tweet that she had in regards to it. She literally just tweeted, Batgirl's not a hero on that cover. She's a victim. She's terrified. She's being physically restrained. It looks like a snuff film. And I back that, like, 100%. Like, I had people who i go to school with who were like i don't think it's then like you know that we do this podcast and so they were asking me about it and i was like um i'm glad they pulled it not like the artwork is well done because Raphael Albuquerque is a great artist it's just mm-hmm. not the right tone for batgirl and it's fucking terrifying and triggering even though it is definitely a uh, variant so i get that, you don't have to get it but it, it really is a fucking horrifying cover yeah it's a it's, scary cover yeah and, which and i mean oh, sorry go ahead uh, you know, it, it's important to, uh, I think, I can't remember who I was reading, someone, uh, sorry, I don't have a credit for you, um, <laughs> but uh, but they were basically saying that, you know, like, the important thing to remember is this doesn't necessarily mean because it references, like, Alan Moore's, like, the Killing Joke comic, like, that's still a fantastic comic, like, and it's still, like, a very grim, dark reality, but, like, just because, like, we want to make a reference to it, and, you know, that doesn't mean that we have to take such a hard line there. Like, the Batgirl comic has so much been, like, uh, you know, if you if you talk to Team Batgirl, they will tell you that it's designed to be a safe space for readers of all sexes and genders, but, you know, girls especially. And this is not, like, something that you want to see your hero depicted that way. You know, like, if if she was, like, beat up on the ground and she's been, like, fighting you know, Joker and she's like getting up from it, you know, and then like, yeah, maybe she's bloody and beaten up and maybe he still has a gun or whatever. And maybe she has like a, a Joker face on there, you know, but uh, like, yeah, like those guys who I go to school with who are asking me about it, their big thing was like, well, it's just a reference to killing joke. And I was like, yeah, I get it. And I understand like why it was made, but it's referencing a specific scene in which she is brutally fucking attacked after she gets kidnapped and it's heavily implied that she was sexually assaulted like why is that something i i don't know like that's not what i associate new batgirl with and like as a person who as a, a lady person i should say who like experiences like stuff like this on the daily like i'd really rather not have like a throwback to it in like especially like a line of books that has never at this point like had anything to do with that so i just no, I don't like it. <laughs> I'm glad that they pulled it. I really have to give props to Stewart, uh, Cameron Stewart, too, um, oh, who works sure. on the book. Uh, he tweeted out, and he said, regardless of fans like Raphael Albuquerque's uh, homage to The Killing Joke from 25 years ago or find it inconsistent with the current tonality of the Batgirl books, which is basically what we've been saying, uh, he says, threats of violence and harassment are wrong and have no place in comics or society. And I think bottom line, like no matter if you're a comic book fan or a Batgirl fan, realistically, like that's what it comes down to is the threats that were being received on all ends of this. Um, And the fact that Stuart just realized like um, that it's it's just not – especially in comic books, that's – that there's no place for that. Uh, It's a bit scary that – death threats are the things that the internet seems to go to right away. I mean, the same thing has happened like over the last X number of months with the whole like Gamergate controversy and with people sending terrible things to other people on both sides of the issue. Well, let's just say people sending terrible things to women. 
Yeah, I mean, well, absolutely. <laughs> you know, like I was definitely in the huge, enormous minority, uh, majority that is, excuse me. Um, but it's, you know, we need to think like, I know the internet is a wonderful place because we get to say whatever the fuck we want. Like, you know, like we can say that we, you know, hate or love comics or anything in the world, but like, you know, take a fucking like chill pill for a second, people like step back. Like it's not. Yeah. Enjoy your opinion. <sighs> Maybe just don't be a total fucking dick about it. Yeah, also, agreed. just so we know that because everybody who was getting death threats, mainly people who were like voicing their opinion on the matter. Um, Raphael Albuquerque himself tweeted that he never got threats at all. So just so you can see which side that's coming from. So maybe just be less of a jag. And if you don't like something, then that's fine if you say so. But maybe don't attack other people because their beliefs don't jive with yours. Exactly. Please, no attacking other people. Unfortunately, something else that also got some attacking going on on the internet <laughs> earlier last week. Um, we finally got a brand new costume for Diana of Themyscira, none other than Wonder Woman. And it uh, debuted, uh, or will debut, on June 17th on Wonder Woman 41. The solicits for the covers came out, uh, I think, like partway through last week. Mm-hmm. And when they did, um, this one came out and it shows that Diana is like, I, I, I mean, personally, I can't see how you have a problem with this costume. I think it looks fantastic. She looks like she's, like, a mix between, like, Iron Man and Wonder Woman getting ready to go to battle with those fucking shoulder pads. Like, I don't know. I have an issue with it, but not because of, like, the way in which she's dressed, but just because, like, I I think I figured it out earlier with some of the other people I was talking to about it. I think just there's too many, like, things going on. Like, if it was just more simplified, like, she has basically what's going on is she has her same old, like, Wonder Woman, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, kind of like tunic thing going mm-hmm. on but then it has like this weird like drapity like skirt piece and then full pants with her like thigh high boots and then like shoulder like spalders and then like her metal cuffs and everything like that but then the under piece that she's wearing also goes up over or, like around her neck like i'm totally fine with all of that like the silhouette looks great it's just like the details on it there's too much and like the colors are weird the boots are red and white but everything else is like gold and blue like it just doesn't there's too much happening she looks like, like she's wearing fucking under armor yeah like she looks like in um i can't even think of what it's called but uh it looks like she's wearing like a suit, like one of those like Japanese suits with the high necks oh, with, like, like that. a Mandarin collar. Yeah, it looks like she's wearing that underneath the costume, which I'm totally fine with that. But like that and spalders and like these weird colored boots, like, fuck, dude, just make up your mind. <laughs> like, I like the shape of it and I'm not complaining, but like, it's just too much. But then a lot of people have just been total dicks about it <laughs> because that's what the Internet gives us. So I think there's a few like costume changes going on, too. I'm pretty sure they announced a new Green Lantern costume for Hal that involves like a, a cloak huh. uh, or some sort of like, I don't know, it looks like he had a hood. And I know Green Arrow, they announced Green Arrow is getting a new costume, too. Oh, yeah. I Wonder Woman is definitely that. getting um... like... I think Superman's going back to his Grant Morrison kind of costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the two solicits that came out um, for the new. Uh, it's got like a kind of updated um, Flash, um, a new Green Lantern costume with this, like Ooh. you said, a crazy hood, and then um, a kind of revamped ish Green Arrow costume as well. So I'll link that in the show notes for you guys as well. Green Arrow looking hot as fuck, homie. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, like you do. A good dude. Um,. Uh, but as far as, like, the Wonder Woman costume change goes, yeah, and my then, favorite um, part about it is the reaction from lady comic artists, because they're the best. Like, others, too, were stepping up. But then certain people, like, um, who, where is his name? Eric Larson, being a piece of shit about it. Ugh. 
Yeah, I mean, there definitely were some just shitty opinions that um, <laughs> come out. Like, I mean, it, the the main problem, the only problem that I really have with this com- this costume is the like she's got like these like retractable blades coming out of her bracers. Like it's like some Assassin's Creed shit. Yeah, like that part. I'm like. Okay, like, just pull the blades back. Like, she doesn't need that. She has, like, a sword. She has the lasso of truth. Like, she'll be okay, you know? But, I, I mean... I Let's think... give Wonder Woman blades! Yeah. Let's give the Hulk a sword! Yeah, it's I unnecessary. Mean, she I doesn't don't know. need fucking blades. Yeah. I feel like, like if, they just took off the, if they just took off the stars and then they changed the color scheme of her outfit to, like, all match together instead of being weird, maybe got rid of that super awkward skirt thing, it'd be fine. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. Uh, I I hate Superman's new costume more. I didn't even see that. Oh, and they're that... just putting him back in fucking jeans. You mean the, the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're giving basically... him basically like his Kingdom Come um, almost symbol, like it's the all black with the red on top, mm-hmm. and then putting him back, like putting him back in jeans. And I hate when they relaunched like New Fifty Two back in like when the fuck ever, and Grant Morrison decided to shit all over history. Um, <laughs> like he put Superman in jeans, and I was like, oh my god, why is Superman wearing fucking jeans? Like it bothers me so much, and I know it shouldn't. Like I know it's a like it's realistic. That that like superheroes wouldn't be flying around in like lycra bodysuits or whatever, but like I just put, says I you. <laughs> uh, I mean, if I was a superhero, I totally would. I want. I definitely want to wear jeans. I'd be like, no, I'm better than you. I get to wear better clothes than you. I'm not wearing jeans like a fucking peasant. See, so. that's the difference between us. Because I'd be like, I'd be wearing those fucking like XXXL like sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be in, like, the comfy, like, pajama pants, like, yeah, cru- yeah, like I'd be wearing, around. like, a pair of, like, oversized joggers, like, fuck yeah. I got like, just be oversized like... hoodie. <laughs> be like, bitch, I don't know what chafing is. I have bulletproof skin. Are you kidding me? Well, if I had bulletproof skin, I'd probably just wear a Speedo and be like, what up, guys? Like, <laughs> Oh, my God, Andy, I'm going to link you to something because that reminds me of the cosplay I wanted you to do for Emerald City Comic Con last year oh. from that. Have you guys read the webcomic Ogloff? Oh, yeah. Or... Okay, so I forget what his name is, but if any of you guys read Ogloff, it's, first of all, amazing. So if you don't do it, please do. And I feel like it's like a sex master is his name or something like that. I'll find it right now while you guys are talking about something else. But it's li- I'll have Andy link in the show notes because it's literally exactly what he looks like, just in a Speedo. So if you guys... If you guys ever wanted to see it, he is literally this person. Like, somebody was, like, fucking peeping Andy on the sly and just, like, yes. And then just drew this guy. Like, he even has, like, the same length as hair as you, dude. Like, Dang. it's perfect. Like, it's meant to be. I'm going to scroll through, like, 800 pages of this comic and find it. So That's you guys right. talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> yeah, I, I really also hate this fucking Green Arrow costume. What? It just, like, what's with his pants? Is he, like, is it 1992 and he like just Django went to, like... jeans. <laughs> he jeans. Yeah, he just, like, went and saw a house party. Like, what the fuck is he wearing? It looks like know, he man. put on green trash bags and then taped them to his legs. Yeah, it, That's probably why I like it. He's just wearing green sweatpants, too. Yeah, it looks like he's, like, he's got them, like, tucked into his boots, too. Like, dang, man. Like, all He's over. got, like, a mullet almost going on. Yeah. Uh, I, like, good, I like this new Hal costume, though. Like, I don't know. I don't think that, you know... My whole thing is I like that the Green Lanterns have, like, the, you know, most of the Lanterns, like, look the same. But even as a kid, I was always like, but if I was a Green Lantern and I had a ring and I had, like, willpower, like, could I just make, like, any kind of costume? Like, I always loved, like, there was some wacky event where, like, Hal builds himself, like, you know, like a robot suit with the with the ring. So he's, like, flying yes. through space and whatever. Like, 
Heck yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Also, I love that I read, I'm reading like uh, the differences in the costumes and for Barry, darker colors and more lightning bolts. Yeah, that's what we fucking need. More <laughs> lightning bolts on that goddamn thing. <laughs> well, you know, Dude, you got lightning bolts attached to your ears and now you got two lightning bolts pointing to your goddamn eyeballs for some reason. You got lightning <laughs> bolts on your hips. You got lightning bolts on your fucking thighs. Listen, Why does he have so many lightning bolts everywhere? Hey man, if you don't have enough <laughs> lightning bolts, how are people going to know that he's so fast? Obviously. when he's moving so slow that you can actually see him. People are like, hey man, that guy's covered in lightning bolts. He might be fast. <laughs> I would love it if they just like a panel of like him like running past somebody be like did you see that i wonder if lightning man <laughs> just trying to like jump to conclusions of like what his power is yeah <laughs> so hey, i would not get oh he's probably just super fast i'd be like oh he controls lightning oh man who called <laughs> if the i look at this guy i'm like uh red lightning <laughs> Oh my god. He's not wearing a quilt. <laughs> oh wait, sorry, I think he must be Electro then. Um oh, he's got fuck. a lot of lightning bolts, right? <laughs> oh man. Uh aside from those uh Green Lantern costumes and you know, some new updates, we also had a, a bit of like a, a tragedy, I guess. Uh, in case any of you guys are reading Teen Mutant Ninja Turtles number 44 and you haven't gotten to it yet, uh, stop the podcast and, uh, just skip ahead to 2159. Man, that was so convenient that that timestamp was already there. Um, <laughs> and at that point we'll be done talking about the fact that Donatello is dead. So in the current Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic, uh, Krang and Shredder are trying to use the Technodrome to drill into the earth and create chaos what a surprise but uh this one actually ended up uh like the the majority of the turtles are fighting off against like krang and stuff and uh donatello's like back at the base and eventually bebop and rocksteady show up they get in a fight donatello holds them off for a bit and then gets fucking hit with a sledgehammer like god this is like the most gruesome metal fucking death ever I don't know. In the TMNT universe, anyway. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, uh, a lot of people thought that maybe he would he would be okay, but nah, man, he's fucking dead. Like, Jesus. Like, the last panel of like, all the turtles. Like, come to Jesus dead. Yeah, like, all all the turtles standing around and fucking, oh, man, it's just, he says no. Um, like, I heard about it, so I went and read the comics because I am not keeping up on it, but it was a brutal death in comics, like, generally not just like a ninja turtles comic like i read it and there are definitely like way more deaths i read in dc and marvel comics that did were nowhere near as gruesome as this it was very violent yeah uh, and that's what that's what kind of surprised me like i mean you know admittedly i i i hunted down the the previous issue just so i could kind of get a little bit of background on the idw book but like oh man i was just I don't know. The the part where Bebop and Rocksteady are standing over him and he's holding the sledgehammer and he's just like, whoa, man, you split him in half. And he's like, yeah, did you expect it to look like that under there? Like, uh, I don't know. It just got to me. Yeah. When they like walk and they walk off like all fucking just like nonchalant about the whole damn thing. Like, eh. I don't know. I guess, you know, the, the books are getting, I feel like books in general, just like the comics in general, are getting a bit more grim <laughs> as we go forward. And uh, I guess this has been a darker turn. It certainly just took one. Raphael's real angry, so I think we just might get that uh, Raphael, like, revenge arc or something. 
uh, Kevin Eastman's been saying for a while now, he's uh, like the, one of the co-creators of Ninja Turtle, and he helped write the issue. But he's been saying for a while that he wanted to take like the Ninja Turtles back in a more like serious direction. Because when it launched back in, I don't know what, fucking 90-something, um, it, it definitely was, it wasn't a lighthearted comic. I mean, yeah. that's something that the cartoons made. Yeah, even um, even the freaking first TMNT movie is totally not like a lighthearted movie at all. <laughs> um, yeah, like it has its moments, but for, it's a pretty dark movie. I guess I I think I'm going to be paying attention to the next couple issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles just because I kind of want to see what ends up happening. Um, I'm wondering if they'll retcon it real fast. I don't know. I mean, if it, I can't really think of a way within like the Turtles universe to like bring him back there's never been like a like a like a lazarus pit or anything like that you know <laughs> they're um, just using it as a way to segue into bringing uh, venus de milo into the tmnt oh, universe <laughs> no, that just yeah oh so fucking stupid <sighs> what's up anyone who is too young to remember and didn't watch tv in the fucking 90s there was a live action ninja turtle show and there was a girl ninja turtle named venus de milo and they didn't oh, explain god. her at all and she sucked so hard oh my god Ugh. i totally like my brain repressed that <laughs> yeah like, like, I mean, I, I will say that, like, maybe we get some more Metalhead, which is, like, Robo-Turtle, and I, I love me some Metalhead, uh, but... I just know. want the gecko on the skateboard. What's his name? Oh. Max Gecko. I'm pretty sure it's Max Gecko. And Yeah, unfortunately... Mondo uh, Gecko. Throwing that out there. There you go. Mondo <laughs> Gecko. I knew it was Compliments of TMNTpedia. Oh, Shut up. Oh, that my is God. Like, God. Internet. <laughs> Mondo Gecko. That's like the most like 90s line ever. <laughs> like, what For real. The What's up, I'm Mondo Gecko? Oh, I drink gosh. Mountain Dew and eat corn nuts. The only thing that's more 90s than Mondo Gecko would be Adam, or, yeah, Adam X, the extreme from the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Jet Moto. Oh, man, oh, that is God. the freaking truth. Uh, but uh, the 90s were dark. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyways, on the CW this week, we also had a uh, brand new episode of The Flash. And uh, while unfortunately I was not able to catch it, I know that Ryan and Kelsey, you guys were pretty excited to uh, see Professor Zoom show up for uh, the first time. Well, not the first time. Or I but guess this like is... being shown as Professor Zoom, right? It's the first Not time that they acknowledge really. that Harrison Wells is Eobard Thawne on the show. Yeah. Okay. Which they had confirmed at some sort of con, I think, a month or two ago. Oh, that's right. We talked about that. Yeah. They had confirmed it, but there was still a lot of speculation because Reverse Flash and Professor Zoom are different characters in the comics. Um, and Harrison Wells in the show has, like, has <laughs> done some altruistic things as well as a lot of very sinister things. So everyone was kind of still wondering where he would end up. Yeah. But Homeboy Straight Up Evil. Yeah, he's the fucking worst. <laughs> um, and we know that he's the worst, absolutely, because he, quote unquote, and I'm using the biggest air quotes on the planet right now, killed our sweet baby Cisco, um, who I love more than anything because he's one of the only, like, Hispanic people on any comic book show. <laughs> and so it's kind of like I cling to that. Um, also, he's just a great character, as is. But. That scene was heartbreaking. Yeah, it was. Seeing Cisco cry. He's Cisco's not, really. Like, it's not right 
Yeah, he's literally not even trying to fight back because he knows there's nothing he can do. He's just standing there crying. And it's, so, oh my god, it's like watching like a child just like slowly get murdered. And it's so sad. But I have like one of my friends at work spoiled this for me today because I hadn't watched it yet. And he's like, hey, Kelsey, you watched The Flash, right? What'd you think about Cisco dying? I was like, you cock. <laughs> oh, no. I was so upset. But then I came and I watched it because he didn't want to tell me like how he died. But now I, that I've seen it, like I'm not concerned. Like I'm pretty sure he'll be back. Hey, oh, it's he not definitely will be yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. Like by next episode for sure. Like it's not even the season finale. Like there's still many more episodes after this. And the way that they ended the episode was Barry finding out that he somehow like ran so fast that he went back in time. Yeah. And so because he went back in time, he's obviously going to save Cisco in time. So like, I don't, like my friend who at work who told me that I'm just like, you don't read comics. You're an idiot. <laughs> Watching the episode, I pretty much knew like something like that was going to happen because uh, the beginning of the episode, Barry's running and he sees himself like run next to him. And then when he stops, it, they did some really strange like things that they only do in TV shows when they're trying to like make a point of something. Mm-hmm. And like they basically he stops on the street corner and like hears a bunch of conversations going on and like notices very distinct things. And then they didn't do any further like um, inf- like didn't present any further information on that so pretty much right from there i was like ah that motherfucker is going back in time because like we have to know that he's already been in this moment before yeah they just need some breadcrumbs to take you back um yeah so it's pretty clear like that's gonna happen there's just too much at stake for it to not be a season finale and like it's too lighthearted of a show honestly for them to actually kill cisco off that's like arrow killing off felicity (laughs) like it's just not gonna happen i'm sorry it was a big episode, though. Um, really, like, pretty important because they introduced like the um, m- like the actual Weather Wizard, who's one mm-hmm. of Barry's main villains, along with like Captain Cold and Heatwave. Um, but also, it's the first episode where I mean, All the rogues. yeah, and but it's the first episode where uh, I hate it so much. But fucking Flash is <laughs> so much time travel. Oh, like yes. there's so much time travel in Flash comics, and we knew it was going to happen sooner or later. And it's the first one where we really see him like. We don't know if the Speed Force exists in this universe, but that's how he time travels in the comics is he taps into the Speed Force. So, um, I mean, we see him time travel. And then, yeah, yeah, he reveals his identity to Iris, which I think is still too soon. But (laughs) Um, I'm I'm hoping he won't now that he's gone back. Oh, oh, my God. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you're probably right. But there's definitely going to. Yeah, there's going to be more of the time travel i'm absolutely sure because otherwise professor zoom right now just doesn't make sense oh there has to be because his yeah. whole plot is he's stuck in the you find out he's yeah, stuck yeah in the present and he wants barry to stay alive because only he's fast enough to get him back to the future yeah because and oh, then and i got to say back to the future <laughs> barry you don't understand we've got to go back to the future <laughs> Uh, yeah it's pretty gnarly but it was a super good episode even though like my friends who don't read comics obviously were really fucking upset they're like but cisco and i was like after i watched i was like oh you guys are idiots (laughs) like just just wait (laughs) so at least have some comfort in that but it was really upsetting and heartbreaking to watch yeah so speaking of heartbreaking things um (laughs) oh good marvel has uh just released a giant list of comics that unfortunately are going to be coming to an end with the secret wars event so 
Like I, I'm just gonna go all the way down the list just because we might as well. It's all new Captain America, all new Ghost Rider, all new X Men, Amazing Spider Man, Amazing X Men, Angela, Asgard's Assassin, Avengers, Avengers World, Captain Marvel, Cyclops, Deadpool, Elektra, Fantastic Four, Guardians Three Thousand, Guardians of the Galaxy, Hulk, Inhuman, Iron Fist, The Living Weapon, Legendary Star Lord. Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man, New Avengers, uh, Nightcrawler, Nova, Rocket Raccoon, Secret Avengers, Spider-Man and the X-Men, Spider-Man 2099, Storm, Superior Iron Man, Thor, Uncanny X-Men, Wolverines, and X-Men. Now, before anyone loses their shit about their favorite comic book being on there, I know that a whole bunch of these things have been shown through Battle World that they're going to be carrying on. Like, one of the things is they're going to have a Captain Marvel and the Howling Commandos book, which is going to be coming out, which will, I'm assuming they're going to basically <laughs> roll all of these into other books moving forward and maybe collapse some of the continuity things. Maybe we'll finally lose Amazing X-Men in the process, because I don't <laughs> think anyone's enjoying that book. But, uh, you know, we get to... We're, I can't see that they're going to be ditching all of these books and not bringing any of them back. Because, like, I know for a fact that, you know, Captain Marvel, um, the Iron Fist book, I know that uh, Amazing Spider-Man is selling great. I know that um, even, like, Thor, like, I, I, I can't see them taking that book away from uh, Dodderman and Jason Aaron. So they've got to be just, Yeah, that would like, be a fucking mistake. Yeah, they've just got to be, like, you know, moving that into something else. There's some books I see on here, and I'm like, good. They're probably using this as an excuse to cancel them anyways. Uh, but yeah, you're you're right, Andy. A ton of these are just getting like – I mean, well, we know the Ultimate Universe is ending. So yeah. I think Miles Morales is going to exist in 616 because he's much too popular of a character to completely just like kill off. I was talking with one of my buddies, and he was basically saying that he thinks that Miles is going to be kind of like a, a pop-in-and-out spider character where like – you know, his universe may not exist anymore, but he might show up in like a book like, you know, Spider-Gwen or like Silk's book or something where he's well, kind of like whole... tangentially related to Spider-Man and stuff. Yeah, with the whole Spideyverse thing, it leaves like a lot of universes for him to exist in. Uh, so he can pretty much go wherever he wants. And then I know for sure, like they announced that Thor's comic that has like Better A Bill and like the numerous different Thors in it. And yeah. then same same with the Ghost Rider. They're doing a comic that's all of the Ghost Riders instead of just the new one. So it's a it's a huge list of comics that they're canceling, but I think they're launching just as many. Yeah, and then just um, probably leaving the Fantastic Four alone because they're garbage. <laughs> well, I know that that Fantastic Four book is is ending, right? It's got like one more issue in it. Yeah, um, and there's. I mean, that's a whole different monster. Yeah, I mean, because that has to do with like property, Fox property, and a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I know there's a couple. I think. Um, I don't know if there's anything else in here that's like that, but like, but like, I would hate to see Miguel O'Hara disappear. Like, I, I, like, I would like shock that man. Fuck. Um, wow! Did you really just use twenty ninety nine fictional slang? Yes, I did. It's fantastic. Uh, um, you're my favorite person. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, like the Rocket Raccoon book is selling really good. I've enjoyed Nova. Like, um, at some point, like, I, originally I was like, man, I don't know about the Sam Alexander guy, but like. 
they've done a good job of making that story pretty interesting and him having some cool stuff with like carnage and some of the fallout from the uh, recent axis event so yeah i like the nova book the only ones i'm really iron fist i hope gets picked up in some way or form because that comic has been awesome yeah um i don't give a shit that nightcrawler is getting canceled i don't give a shit that cyclops is getting canceled i don't care that Electra is getting canceled i mean they're books that i read i i read them but i've they're just not very good to me. I think the Cyclops books, the Cyclops book won't be coming back because the most recent issue has him finally like reuniting with the rest of the all new X-Men. And I could see it being like a really kind of like neat place to just kind of like tie it off and be like, all right, well we're done with that thing. Cause Greg Rucker wouldn't stay on for long enough to write it. Amazing. Dude, we have like eight X-Men books. Why do we need like nine solo title X-Men books? Yeah, Cause it's awesome. <laughs> no, it's not. Nightcrawler is not a strong enough character to support a solo title. I think, I think you could probably give Nightcrawler a book, but you would have to have it like, I don't know. Like, I think you would need to have like it tied into like a more like pressing motivation for him. Cause like right now, like Nightcrawler is really not caught up in anything. Like, you know, he knows, he knows that Mystique is his mother and he knows like about Azazel and, um, Azazel. Azazel, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can never pronounce that name. Um, cool. You know, so like it, it's, it's, I don't know. If, I, if, I, have a, if I have a solo Nightcrawler book, I just want him to be in a traveling circus and I want him to get into wacky adventures because they're traveling around and he has to fight crime in like different parts of the world and he just like bangs a bunch of chicks. I don't know. That's what I want. I take a, just, I take like I want a, him drinking mead with his tail, swashbuckling <laughs> with his hands, and then like smooching <laughs> on some lady. I would take like what if it was like uh, like like you know like Loom World Pirate Zone like uh, and you it's Nightcrawler and the Bamps. I'd take that comic. That'd be pretty good. That's yes. what it needs to be. What's up, Marvel? Do you hear this? This is like the twentieth time we've given you a gold idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. The first like twenty five are free, and then you have to start paying us. <laughs> But yeah, uh, the good news is that Marvel also showed us off uh, another minute trailer for the upcoming uh, Avengers movie. Uh, it's just a minute long, and it hit. Uh, there was like a thirty-second spot that hit most of the TV um, this weekend. I think it was rolled out mostly for like the March Madness stuff that's going on in college basketball. And um, there's also an extended uh, one-minute trailer that we have linked in the show notes um, for you guys. It gives us another look, closer look at Ultron. We get to, I think, hear Quicksilver talk for the first time, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. He's got a crazy, like, Eastern block accent going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it, like, I think my favorite shot from the entire trailer is, like, right in the beginning, there's a shot of Thor, and he just kind of, like, casually, like, flips Mjolnir in his hand, like, just, you know, eh, yeah, that's what's going on, guys. I don't know, I just love... <laughs> I can't get enough of uh, Chris Hemsworth as as Thor. He's done so well. I will always love RDJ as Iron Man. It's just one of those things that's perfect casting. So his whole like little thing at the beginning where he's like, I'm not the leader. He is. I just build everything and pay for (laughs) make it all look cool. Make everyone look cooler. (laughs) Yeah. Like I I just, I love that. I I will never get tired of him as Iron Man. And I love, I mean, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but um, when Avengers 2 was being made, uh, a lot of the actors weren't guaranteed a lot of money for the movie because they, like, obviously signed on before they knew it was going to be the third most, like, highest grossing movie of all time. Mm-hmm. And Robert Downey Jr., when he signed on for Iron Man, pulled one of the smartest moves ever and decided to take a percentage of the uh, income on those okay. movies as his Aww. paycheck. Yeah, so he makes a ton of money while all these other actors like Jeremy Renner um, and even Chris Hemsworth and um, Chris Evans weren't making as much. So he, when they were making Avengers 2, he threatened Marvel that he would not sign on 
if if they didn't get paid uh, yeah more money and marvel was like fine we'll make the movie without you and then all the nerds on the internet freaked the (laughs) fuck out yeah and they're like no we will not see an avengers 2 with someone else's iron man so uh just makes me love them even more yeah it was it was uh I don't know. It's so great to see that end up working out. And that's a no, it's a great trailer, too, because it does. I mean, although it's very cliche of do like doing the like two second, like what's up? And then the name on the screen, like Quicksilver. But I got to hear James Spader talk a whole bunch more as Ultron, which is just the best thing ever. It's like silk just falling out of his fucking mouth. It's great. (laughs) What? He's got a velvet voice. Oh my god! Gosh, I, I, I don't even. I mean, we did talk about it like the last time that we got the trailer for it. That we were all really, really happy with James Spader as um, as Ultron. So you know, I guess that's uh, more evidence that Ryan is a really big fan of that. And I was also really, I've been pretty hesitant about. Um, oh fuck! What's his name? Aaron Aaron Taylor Johnson is that his name? Quicksilver. Right? Oh yes, yes. Kickass. I yeah, so. I was a little hesitant. Like when they when they announced uh, Peter Evans and Aaron T- uh, Taylor Johnson because we knew they were both going to be Quicksilver before either of the movies came out. Um, and when they announced it, I was like, well, I really like Kickass and like Peter Evans is all right. Like I mean, I watched American Horror Story um, and I, he was in Kickass actually, and which I or Evan Peters, I'm sorry. Yeah. And so I, I and I enjoy that. And then when X Men came out, he fucking killed it as Quicksilver. So I was just like, wow. Now I don't know if like Aaron Taylor Johnson, Aaron Taylor Johnson's even going to be able to like hold a candle, um, especially because when they first like showed off the pictures, I was like, he kind of looks dorky. Yeah. Uh, but the more I've seen about it, like the more uh, excited I am, and it just is just to show you that Joss Whedon can do fucking anything. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's someone that we can really trust. I mean, I know we feel like we can really trust him when it comes to like you know putting these comic stories up on the big screen. And you know, I think we've learned enough, or at least hopefully we've learned enough, that that takes a lot of tact, and that not every director or production team can actually do that. I mean. All you got to think about is the fantastic boar that was the uh, oh, earlier nice. Fantastic Four movie. Sick right? burn, oh. Andy. I was just quoting. I was just quoting Ryan, so you know it's all good. Fantastic boar. <laughs> Looking at you, Mark Steven Johnson. You know who that is? No one knows. It's the director of Daredevil. No one knows his name because oh, that movie doesn't matter. Because he didn't matter. deserve anybody to know his name except for ridicule purposes. I mean, the casting director gets some props for putting Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin. That was a good casting. But oh tough. my god. Yeah. How did we never know this? I just looked it up. The guy who directed Daredevil also directed Ghost Rider. <laughs> oh. Sick fuck? resume, bro. Why would Marvel watch Daredevil? Like, look at Daredevil and go, you know what you deserve? To direct another one of our movies. That's well, either, I guess it's Fox. You know what it is? That's either somebody's nephew or somebody's fuck toy. Like, that's all that means. I feel like it's probably just they were like, you know, we had this one, like, really really poorly cast marvel movie where we made affleck daredevil like <laughs> since we already cast nicholas cage's ghost rider like let's just give it to the same guy right <laughs> this guy has my favorite fucking filmography of all time oh, he directed God. ghost rider daredevil grumpier old men Oh Jesus! Oh my God! And Jack fucking Frost with Michael Keaton. The one where he becomes a fucking snowman. Like an snow evil dad snowman? is better than no dad. Uh, no, the, it's not the evil snowman. Oh, <laughs> he's the good-hearted snowman. 
He goes snowboarding. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that he... (laughs) Somebody take away his director card. Michael Keaton's in that movie, right? Yeah, Michael Keaton is the voice of Jack Frost in that movie because he dies like 10 minutes in. Oh my god. Well, let's all just be happy that he ended up getting to Birdman recently, (laughs) so... The best part of that movie is his name in the movie before he even becomes a snowman is Jack Frost. Yeah, I I actually remember that. uh, Uh, Yep, that's pretty much exactly how I feel about that. Uh, Can you imagine if someone downloaded our cast and they skipped just to this part and they're like, what the fuck? Isn't this about comic books? Why are they talking about Jack Frost with Michael Keaton? What? That's a movie? Why would you watch that? Well, don't. Just save yourself the trouble. Yeah. Uh, but, we watch uh, the terrible things so you don't have to. Exactly. And we'll tell you just how terrible they are. Uh, <laughs> if you have any other terrible movies that you'd like for us to watch, contact us. <laughs> that are us. somehow related yeah, to exactly. comics. <laughs> contact us at twoguysandagirltalkcomics at gmail.com or tweet at us at 2g1gtalkcomics. And we will be more than happy to respond to you and possibly we'll watch the bad film that you're suggesting. Um, but we don't have <laughs> many bad comics this week. In fact, I don't think we have a whole lot of bad comics this week. But we do have some good comics this week, and that's what we'll be moving on to. I want to start off with uh, none other than Batgirl number 40. Uh, this one finally ends up kind of wrapping up the entire um, the like hook saga, I guess is what you would call it. When it comes to uh, Barbara and her like brain scan and stuff, I thought it was just as usual. We love Team Batgirls, like writing, art, colors, everything. Um, I, I thought the issue did a great job of showing like an in-universe thing that could really be catastrophic, and I thought it was awesome. You know the way that uh, Babs end up saving the day. Also, has the added bonus that at the end of this, it says we're going to get be getting a, a Black Canary book with uh, Dina Lance already in it. So that makes me extremely happy. (laughs) So, you know, more fun Babs universe lady power, I guess. Um, I assume you guys both read Batgirl 40, right? Uh, Yeah. I I mean, I love Cameron Stewart, Brendan Fletcher, Babstar. We've gone over that like numerous times. Uh, I am so happy this story arc is over because as much as I love this comic and the colors and the art and the writing, I fucking hate like computer virus i'm the computer virus that's alive now and i'm taking over like that shit is awful to me like that's comparable to when i watch like tv shows and someone hacks your car like (laughs) oh no my car is hacked i'm going in reverse and i'm not trying to isn't that like the premise of that game watchdogs yeah, and that game sucked ass. Yeah, so. really bad, guys. Don't, don't. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. So as as much as I like, <laughs> I really do love this team, and I I really enjoy um, the just the world that they've created for Babs to exist in, and Burnside itself, and all of her allies. I'm really glad this arc is over because as soon as we found out that it was a like computer download version of herself, which they somehow fucking shoehorn into making sense in a comic book sort of way. Yeah. I just I didn't I couldn't. Get Get into it because I just hate stuff where like computer entities take over and they're popping up on every screen all over the goddamn world and I don't it's not it's not for me. I was more into Endgame, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> than forty, but I just love the only communication being through emojis. <laughs> yeah, it, um, Batgirl Endgame was the first of the Endgame comics that I believe are kind of starting in that um, in the same continuity next week with that same 75th anniversary uh and this one just has kind of like batgirl um you know going through the city where it looks like there's like joker gas going on 
And uh, yeah, Kelsey is absolutely correct. There is uh, like two or three panels where emojis are the only thing that are used to communicate. Uh, the art on here, uh, again, uh, Cameron Stewart and uh, Brendan Fletcher are, are, I guess, like writing and designing the comic, although there's not a lot of like written word here. Uh, and Bengal is on the art and the color. Uh, really captures, I feel like it captures the new Babs very well, but in a very distinct take on it. And hopefully all of those endgame books will be kind of similar if that, you know, no matter what kind of bat character they end up taking uh, under their wing, so to say. <laughs> nice. God, I don't know what's going on in the, in the puns today. Anyways. Hello. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but uh, we also had another um, pretty good, uh, DC comic this week, and that was none other than uh, Superman 39. This one is uh, Jeff Johns, uh, JRJR. Uh, let's see who else is on here. Klaus Hansen is on ink, and uh, High Fives on color. Uh, and this one, we it was 38 that we talked about. Uh, I think it was like three weeks ago when Clark revealed his identity to Jimmy Olsen, and he gets to spend like a whole day being pretty much human which I thought was pretty awesome. Like it was a good arc to see, you know, Clark step into the, you know, the shoes of Superman, so to speak. And, um, you know, handle some business when he really was just like a normal human for a day. Right. And the, I mean, the whole thing is, um, it's in like the aftermath of discovering his new power, which was met to mixed reactions from fans. Like, I mean, anytime you like introduce a new power, I feel like any superhero, it's going to be hard for people to accept it, especially like Superman. Cause you're like, Oh, this character has existed for like 60 fucking years. (laughs) And now we're just discovering that he has a new power. Um, but if anyone's going to do it, it's Jeff Johnson. I, I thought he hand, handled it well, but the real like A plus in this whole story arc is not Superman's new costume or his new power, but it was this uh, issue, which is also Jeff John's last issue on the run. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. This is his farewell issue that to the, to the series. Uh, JRJR is going to stay on, okay. um, but it was Jeff John's last issue, so I thought it was a very good one for him to end on. And it's also just it's very Jeff John's. It's taking a character that's well known and established. And um, just showing them in a different light that makes them a more enjoyable character. Yeah. And I like getting to see kind of, I like getting to see Jimmy see Superman and Clark in a different light. Like it's the, the issue is, is very much told from Jimmy's perspective. You know, he follows Clark around all day and, and, you know, like the kind of, the kind of climax is uh, Clark has an encounter with a criminal and basically handles it just as normal. It just really speaks to the kind of person that Clark is. And you know, it's it's funny because a lot of times there's even a moment where like Jimmy asks him like how'd it feel to be human for the day, and he's like, it wasn't all that different, you know, because even though he is a Kryptonian, Superman really is like probably one of the most human characters in comics, and that's kind of what makes him so amazing. So, I don't know, if you guys get a chance, uh, Superman thirty nine is uh, definitely definitely worth a read. Good job, Jeff Johns. You made Superman interesting for a day. Yeah. Props. That's hard to do. That's. I mean, I'm I'm being genuine too. Like that's hard to do. That's one of the reasons Superman's one of the most. He's such a hard character to relate to sometimes because he is so like overly powerful. Um, but like there have been a lot of writers over times over time. I know JMS had a run too, very similar to this, um, mm-hmm. where like they are able to make the character more human. And it's like it to me, it's like one of the only times that I can actually enjoy Superman as a character. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh... 
it's definitely a good comic. So take a read. Uh, like I said, you know, I've, I've kind of just been hopping on the Superman train lately, so we'll see if it keeps going. Ooh, speaking of a continuation of things, uh, Star Wars, we got our second issue of Princess Leia this week. And as we, I guess, as we kind of expected, it really is Princess Leia, Yvonne, and R2-D2, like, gal it out through the uh, universe, trying to save Alderanians. And we get some cool, like, flashback stuff with um, Leia and Bale when, like, Alderaan was still a planet that existed. And... Uh, we get to see some betrayal, some kind of shady business going on. I thought, um, uh, who did the colors on this? Was it uh, Terry Dodson? Let's see. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was Terry Dodson on pencils and Rachel Dodson on inks, Jordi Belair on color. Again, that trio, they did a great job last week, and it continues to be a vibrant, cheerful, enjoyable comic. Like, I don't know. I like this. Uh, I love this Princess Leia arc that we have going on. Um, I really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I super enjoyed like the backstory because it really does ex- like, because Leia has in the movies, Leia has like a couple moments of her kind of like, um, her stubbornness, I guess you could say that kind of yeah. like show her rebelliousness, but it doesn't happen very often. Um, and then when the comic came out, it was kind of obvious that that's where they were taking it. But at the same time, I was like, okay, well, like how hard are you going to push this? Because, you know, we see Leia in the movies and we know, like, we do know her as a character. So by adding in those flashbacks of, like, when she's fighting instead of when she's supposed to be studying and things, it just makes it a much more, like, makes it easier to believe, like, oh, she is, like, this total, like, re- like she's been a rebel her whole life. And she's, like, always fought for this existence. But, like, she has fought for it, but her father fought against it. Yeah, it's, uh, we get to see so little of Bail Organa in the series. Like, I guess if you look at, like, the early three, um, like, the early prequel trilogy, um, you know, there is some stuff there with him interacting with Anakin and um, Padme. But it's, it's definitely, it's nice to see, first and foremost, it's nice to see Alderaan, right? Because we never see the surface of Alderaan in any movie ever. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's cool to see Alderaan existing and to see it as like a lush, you know, vibrant world. And it really kind of makes sense that that would be the target, you know, of the Empire when they first do build the Death Star. And it's, it's awesome to see first that Leia has like some serious doubts and then eventually she gets a little headstrong. It gets her into a little bit of trouble. And uh, in the end, they end up kind of getting everything working out. So um, I- I'm really excited to see how long this runs for and how awesome it continues to be. And then I did like the um, Princess Amidala like nod. Oh yeah, with the... Um... Uh, how she, um, with the stained glass mm-hmm. and she like, no, it's kind of like she recognizes her. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cool too. I've just, I'm just, I've just been really impressed with all of the Star Wars comics that have come out so far. Um, Marvel did a great job at like picking the creative teams that were going to handle all these projects because they've all been... Like, I haven't read a single issue of any of the Star Wars comics, like Star Wars, Princess Leia, or Vader, where I was disappointed at the end of the issue. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I mean, I think also people who enjoy the, like, earlier comics, I'm I'm pretty sure that, that they give her, like, a J327 uh, Royal Starship at the end there, the same kind of model that's used in the prequel. But uh, the art, I can't super tell. Um but yeah, it's it's got some cool nods to, you know, to the inner universe. I definitely think this is like a imperial intelligence agent on the bottom, which is pretty awesome. 
but yeah, the Princess Leia comic, like we said, all of those uh, Star Wars comics have just been really knocking them out of the park lately. So um, if you guys have a chance, I think it is best that you check that out. Uh, another comic that we really loved in its debut and is now in its second issue is uh, Robbie Thompson, Stacey Lee, and Ian Herring on Silk. Uh, we finally got a... Um, second issue of Cindy Moon and her adventures. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw the Scott Forbes like variant cover. It's like all yellow and it has her like spinning like a, um, a Hydra symbol, right? Yeah. It's not not a Hydra symbol. It's like a, it's just a a spiral, but, um, but it looks great. I don't know. Can we just, because I opened up the first page and the first thing I thought was, of course she has to face a tentacle monster. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck. Like, Come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> Look at your life. Look at your choices. Ugh. Yeah. So gross. I hate that trope. I hate any kind of weird fetishy. Like, it's in the dark and there's a lady alone with a tentacle monster. <laughs> What's going to happen? Yeah. Damn I mean, it. Hentai, get out of here. The good news is that, uh, <laughs> the good news is that, like, Cindy handles it pretty, <laughs> pretty quick. It's not really much issue for her. Yeah. Um, but uh punches the Jesus out of it. Yeah. But she also gets to have like a little bit of a reunion with like her with like a dude from her past and I don't know, like I I, I like seeing her set out now on kind of like the journey to see where her family is, you know, because like the last issue was really much just a an establishing of what's happening in with her and her universe and everything that's going on. And now we get to really look at, you know, a bit more of her search for finding her past really. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy Silk because Robbie Thompson does a great job at balancing giving us her backstory while keeping the action in the comic going too. He uh, his pacing is is really like on on key uh, because we see these flashbacks and I'm never confused about like where we are in the story either because um, and that's probably uh, Ian Herring and Stacey Lee do a good job at like making sure that the flashbacks are. Uh, kind of muted colors uh, and they look a little different than like what's happening in present time. But uh, I just really enjoy the like pacing of the issue because we can hop from Cindy going to her old neighborhood in present time to explore, like looking for her parents and discovering like clues to where they may have gone to uh, like that triggering a flashback to when she's breaking up with an ex-boyfriend and then r- jump right into an action scene where she's fighting a giant like pale hydra tentacle monster. Um, <laughs> So I, I'm just, again, continually impressed with Silk and Spider-Gwen. Uh, yeah. And I just, I cannot express enough how much I love getting more and more and more just female lead comics, especially minority, like, female lead comics. Same these. It's, it's beautiful to see. Yeah. And and we also get to see a, a bit more into kind of the shady operation that still seems to be keeping track of cindy i think it's her parents i do too i have that same feeling like i really think it's just going to be her it's either that guy who she thought died who helped her parents pick up and move their lives around Uh or it's her actual parents i don't think it's ezekiel ezekiel is like a really big spider like verse character and he he was yeah he was like a big part of that when that was back when morland was introduced and like peter discovered out like discovered that there's a spider clan and it's not just like a one-off thing like that was where ezekiel came from i think that dude's pretty much dead for good um so i i do think it's gonna be her parents 
I will say this, this last panel though, with her like swinging away, like looking over her like shoulder to something coming up behind her, just, uh, that panel just looks gorgeous. She's also just so sassy. <laughs> like, yeah. It's right behind me, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because, you know, like we, we got the Spider-Verse event where we got all of these different spider characters. And I know we talked about it in the past, but they all have a bit of kind of a same thread you know (laughs) Uh, oh oh, you're like three for three on puns tonight i know well yeah i'm pretty good at that and uh you know so but they all are very much their same their unique person you know like uh, cindy and peter while they have some similarities they're very much different spider heroes so um I, i don't know i liked i liked getting a getting a look at cindy moon's universe a bit more um, this week we also had two, uh, not one, but two, uh, Black Vortex books. Um, and that would be, the first is All New X-Men 39, and the second is uh, Guardians Team-Up number three. Uh, they're chapter five and six of this Black Vortex saga. And, uh, I don't know, this Black Vortex event's like, was like interesting at the beginning i don't know how i feel about this anymore uh it's an (laughs) x-men event i know exactly how i feel about it it's interesting for two issues and then it becomes convoluted and boring and i don't care anymore and i just want it to be over the most interesting thing for me that has come out of this event is um how awesome everybody looks when they're sucked up by the black vortex also though i gotta say i don't know what the fuck is going on because i could have swore like two weeks ago when i read a comic everybody got black vortex and now so. Only like four people are. Oh no. no, there's definitely an issue where at the end everyone was sucked up into the vortex. No, no, no. I think uh, th- I think at the end not everyone was in there. It was like I think it was like Angel like floating away, like showing everyone what they would look like in the black vortex. So I think it was just like a yeah, glimpse. Something equally dumb, but not quite the same. But yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I I, I like that. <laughs> That, I like, would go back and check, but I don't know what fucking X-Men book it's in because there's 20 of them. So yeah, who knows? Uh, I think I think my favorite thing about the issue, though, uh, the uh, Guardians team up is when like Star-Lord comes with like a wacky fucking plan to like distract everyone so that Ronan can like go and get powered up by the Black Vortex. <laughs> As per usual. Yeah, like, he basically has a dance-off with like the guards on like the Kree planet, like in not so many dance moves, you know? He just kind of... say weird. It's like we've almost seen that in a movie. I know. <laughs> called Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, you know, we, we we did not... I don't know. It's just so weird to have the X-Men in, like, two different places, and, like, some of the Guardians are someplace and some are the other, and... Uh, I still don't know how I feel about Agent Venom making, like, symbiote guns and shooting at people. Oh, I'm cool with that. Like oh. I, I mean, like I will. Eddie Brock's always going to be like hands down my favorite Venom, but as long as it's not fucking Mac Gargan anymore, like yeah. at least it's not that. Also, can Carnage like never come back? I, why is he alive still? <laughs> He's just like a remnant of the '90s that's left over. Like I swear to God, it's like him and fanny packs. That's all that's fucking left from the '90s. And, you know, <laughs> like, why aren't they gone yet? Like those two things just should be gone by now legit i went on the urban outfitters site today to look for a new wallet and it's literally all fanny packs it's all they're selling right now what yeah it's like a cyclical thing is it coming back i I guess it is i'm not hip i'm just old the 90s are back like hardcore right now 
All the and girls like, there flannel in their boots. I watched fucking <laughs> Dawson's Creek. I know everyone in that show dresses like a goddamn idiot. It's like they walked into an LL Bean and just let people throw things on them. It's disgusting. <laughs> Does anyone here know what an LL Bean is? No, because no. it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> because it was fucking terrible. <laughs> Oh gosh! Oh my God! Yep. I mean, in the nineties, L. Bean was probably the jab, right? So you know, was it? It's like the worst fashion ever, like especially for dudes, because like as a dude, I like to think I'm pretty hip and I dress pretty. Like I'm, I dress, I dress <laughs> nice. Sorry. Like, like I try to dress like to a higher standard because I don't need to like be slouching it. And All right, so. Dante. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's a good example. You know what Dante would never wear? A fucking shirt, like a sweatshirt that's four times too big, and it's just beige. Like, yeah, there's nothing on it. I think there's like a picture in Dante's house of like him with like the dreadlocks wearing an oversized sweater somewhere in there. So, you know, yeah, we all make bad decisions eventually. Larson, I don't know if you knew him in middle school, but it was oh, hilarious. I wish yeah, Dante I at one point was a hot mess. Uh, yeah, I have pictures. That's when I met him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we love you, Dante. Uh, Anyways, uh, we also had so those yeah, two black he, like co- religiously listens to the oh, cast. He does. Love yeah. you, boo boo. Uh, yeah. uh, heart emojis for you. Uh, the uh, the black vortex event, like we said, has kind of been spiraling out of control. So uh, if you guys stick on, I'm gonna keep reading the the event just because like I need more Rocket Raccoon in my life. So um, you know, Sweet we'll, Howard the Duck. Yeah, that's true. I can also read that, which I will continue reading, as all yeah. of you should. So if there's some way that you have not read Chip Zdarsky's Howard the Duck number one, head to your local comic book store, go to Comixology or your digital comic distributor of choice. I'm sure you can still find it. Yes, I, I thought we'd get through industry. one week without tra- talking about Matt Fraction or Chip Zdarsky, but I, I guess you. not. I don't know, man. Like I don't even go like a day without talking about Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. Today I wore my uh, winking Kate Bishop shirt and uh, got to explain to a lot of people how there's a female Hawkeye and that Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky are amazing. Yep. I recommended Sex Colonels three times a day. I've literally told three different people about it today at work. And they're like, this sounds disgusting. I was like, listen, you're an idiot. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. Everyone always has that first reaction. And then I'm like, no, 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 look, just read the first issue. It's so tasteful. And see how it works. You'll be fine. But yeah, uh, let's see. What else do we have? Oh, speaking of tasteful comics, uh, Nathan (laughs) Edmondson and Phil Noto are uh, writing and doing the art on uh, none other than Black Widow number 16. And this one gives us a flashback to Natalia as a kid in Russia, as well as, you know, kind of giving us a bit of a, like, idea of where she is right now with uh, this crazy character, was the prophet, I think? Yeah. And showing her kind of like a glimpse into the past, uh, possibly a glimpse into the future as well. So, uh, I don't know. It, this one was kind of like, I, I would almost call it filler, but... I loved the arc of the story of Natasha as a kid and everything. Uh, yeah, the the flashback was great. Uh, I thought it was something that we don't get enough of with Black Widow, and I know that's part of like her background is just her. We don't know very much about her upbringing, really. Um, but just everything that was her when she was a kid. I really enjoyed, and then everything in the present day, I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Um, but I, I honestly, I could just read a whole comic about Black Widow growing up. Yeah. Give, give me that comic. Because, it would be like 390,000 different retcons. Yeah, but I mean, I don't care. As long as I get to see a 12-year-old Merkin like full-grown Russians, like I'm totally cool with that. 
I mean, like, I think she's that, totally a little badass already, and she's like barely in her teens, probably. Yeah, I mean, I think you know part of the thing that makes Natasha so great is that you know she doesn't have any like superpowers or anything like that. She's just a badass fucking lady who um, you know may have worked for. I think it's KGB, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, it would be really cool to see, you know, I, I don't know if maybe Nathan Edmondson is going to give us more of this as we go on in the comic, you know, um, uh, more flashbacks about her past and everything. But I, I almost feel like after this issue, we're definitely going to have to get some development in the next one about the current situation or a look into the future if um, the prophet is going to be taking her somewhere interesting or something like that so i don't know again the art looks fantastic phil noto is doing such a great job like even the um bits when he has her like you know outside in the cold and like in the um what is the like the ballet studio and everything like man it's just so good yeah i'm really impressed i i have been really impressed with phil noto's art um i don't know it's i i do really like it it's and he handles um He's another one that just handles action really well. Yeah, just very kinetic with the comics uh, or with the with the panels. So um, yeah. Nathan Nathan Edmondson, I think, is just a very talented. I mean, he basically writes every freaking sort of like war spy whatever book that Marvel puts out. Pretty much, I'm pretty sure he's writing Punisher. Yes, and he's also writing Deathlock. So he's pretty much got a handle on that whole scene. Yeah, the only spy book he's not really writing is uh, Bucky Barnes Winter Soldier. I guess. Oh, and you can tell. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that book's not good. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I love Bucky so much as like a character, but six issues that I have no idea where it's going. So six issues, and I have no idea what the fuck is going on. It's got a cool cover this week, though. Um, let's see. Anything else in the Marvel catalog for the week? I don't really see anything else. We did have a couple of releases from Image this week. Uh, the first is a debut uh, from none other than uh, Mark Miller and Sean Gordon Murphy. Uh, Matt Hollingsworth is doing color, and Chris Eliopoulos is on the lettering. And it is Chrononauts number one. I only got a chance to really kind of flip through the first, like, five or so pages, but the art looks fantastic. Again, super kinetic. Like, I like any idea of, you know, future past time travel stuff, so probably after the cast I'll end up making my way through this but i know ryan you said you really enjoyed this book right uh i did and i know kelsey and i have like differing views on the book but i'm not a huge fan of time travel to begin with like pretty much if it's not back to the future like you can get the fuck out because that's (laughs) the only time travel i really need in my life um so i went i mean i read this book i'm pretty hit and miss with mark miller some of his stuff i really enjoy and some of it i just think is like super over the top and i can't really get into um, but I went into it because I'm a huge Sean Gordon Murphy fan, and again, I know we've mentioned him a couple times, but if you haven't read anything Sean Gordon Murphy, uh, he wrote and illustrated Punk Rock Jesus, which is one of those comics that after you read it, you like feel like your life has changed. So if you haven't read that, uh, go out and find it. You can find it at like most comic book retailers. You can even find it at like Barnes & Noble if you don't want to go to a comic book store. You can go Comixology, like wherever. Just get your hands on it. It's fucking brilliant. Um, or even read like The Wake, which is Scott Snyder. Um but I hopped on because I'm, like I said, a huge Sean Gordon Murphy fan. And I actually ended up really enjoying, like, how they tackled the issue of time travel. Um, basically, they sent, like, a satellite back in time. Uh, and that's, like, how they did it. F- that's how they first uh, jumped into the exploration of time travel. They sent the satellite back. And the, um, I just really enjoyed, like, the scene where 
there's a satellite and it's they're watching the civil war unfold and it's just <laughs> there's all these scenes of like uh like people in japan and there's like a bar like a strip club and everyone is just like stopping to watch it and the news reporter um is saying like older viewers might remember the russians blasting Sput- sputnik in the orbit or man's first steps on the moon i'm going to be bold and say that this pales or those pale in too insignificant next to what we're seeing now um, and then they like hop ahead and they decide to jump into time travel themselves as people instead of sending satellites out. Um, and I don't really know like where the story's going to go from there. I always get worried when that stuff happens because that's usually when like bad time travel writing happens. Because uh, I don't want any like butterfly effect shit going on. Um, <laughs> but honestly, I don't care what happens as long as I get to see Sean Gordon Murphy's art like the entire time because it's just so goddamn beautiful. Uh, I just, I just could not get into this book. Like I tried, I really did. Like I'm pretty much done with anything sci-fi or time travel-y. Like I'm into all of the things like that. But for this one, I just couldn't even with it. Like there's a couple panels that I thought were funny, like the one you were just talked about when they're all watching the Civil War on TV, and it's like even stops in the middle of the strip club, and you see all the dancers like what? And then there's another panel where um. Why is it the two dudes? I don't remember. Quinn and uh, Corbin? Corbett? Corbin? Uh, yeah, I think Corbin. I think so. I don't know. But it's like well, they're about to like jump through like this time vortex wearing their fancy little time suits or whatever the hell. And one of them's like, come on, man. Just like suck it up. It'll be totally fine. When you come back, you can get all the women will sleep with you and like trying to help them get over like a breakup or something. Or, like, somebody who isn't, like, returning his calls, who he's in love with still, or something like that. I don't remember. I don't care. And um, he says, where is it? I lost the page I was looking at. It's page 31. Uh, thank you. Wait, maybe. No. Oh, okay. Oh, no, sorry, uh, 16. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was like, definitely not. Um, I was like, this comic isn't 31 pages yeah. long. <laughs> Um, oh, okay, so the actual thing is, don't worry about the thing with Rachel, man. When we get back from this trip, you'll be the biggest thing on the college lecture circuit. You'll be banging every co-ed from here to Timbuktu. And then the other guy responds, you realize this is all being recorded on broadcast around the world, right? And one responds, obviously. Because the finger finger guns. guns. Yeah, finger guns. And then (laughs) the reaction from the church. Yeah, that was hilarious. The rest of the book, I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Like, it was not up to par like especially for me how we just had like as far as like sci-fi kind of things go we just had southern cross last week which ryan and i just swapped our opinions on for this one but um like that one i feel like was a story that was told well this one i had haven't gotten that vibe yet i don't know i'll read the next couple of ones just to see what happens but i'm just not super impressed so far but the art is pretty so yeah, some of the some of the art, like just flipping through, like when it comes to like when they finally do get into the time travel, and you see them kind of like, I guess like rocketing through like time or whatever, is just ridiculous. Like, looks, I mean, almost Christian Ward esque. And then uh-huh. that, that final two page spread, though, is like really to me one of the more impressive uh, like shots in the entire comic. Right when it gets an arrow in the knee. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, come on. It's definitely the it's, it's the calf. Come on, calf shin. You it's know? like a shin. I don't care. <laughs> One of the <laughs> things I liked about it though is they're just like, hey, we discovered time travel. Cool. How? 
You don't even know. You know why? Because Mark Miller isn't even going to try to make up some bullshit reason why we discovered out of time travel. There's no science jargon, like pseudo nonsense going on. It's just like, yo, we discovered time travel. Cool. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I mean, I like that. Like, I, I, I know we talked about it when it comes to like, you know, zombie media and stuff and like going too far with looking for like an explanation for things. I think that sometimes it's better left unsaid. So, you know, maybe that'll work out or maybe we'll just get issue number two full of exposition about the ins and outs of time travel, which would not maybe be so good. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll, we'll definitely have to, we will have to wait. And You're going to be the tiebreaker, Andy. Well, I've got a lot of pressure to read this comic after we get done with this cast. All right, guys, calm down. Uh, but the, uh, let's see, is there anything else this week in issue that we wanted to talk about? Uh, we had a bit of oh, a, uh, I did want to mention real quick um, Dark Horse. I know we don't talk about Dark Horse a lot, but they put out a new comic this week called Frankenstein Underground, um, which does have some very loose ties to like the Hellboy universe. Um, And it's being written by Mike McNola. um, And he did the cover, but I know he didn't write the full issue. Like he, or he didn't do the art for the full issue. I'm trying to find the name. Right now, I feel really bad. Uh, ben Stenbeck um, does the art on it. Um, it's fucking awesome. It's all about uh, just like this Frankenstein's monster. I don't know if you guys have ever read Hellboy, but Mike Magnola is seriously one of the most well-versed like occultists on the planet. Has to be <laughs> like he's so hardcore into like Cthulhu and Rasputin and Alistair Crowley and just like all the really like dark like areas of occultism and like weird shit like that, that a lot of people don't know a lot about. Um, but he's also just very into like European folklore and like African folklore. He does a very good job at like representing all those areas of like, like he doesn't stick to the traditional, like, Oh, there's a wolf man and there's a Dracula. Um, he's, he definitely like, um, like he's all over the place with his supernatural lore. Um, and this comic was awesome because it's all about Frankenstein's monster um, and where he is. I believe it's like this takes place in, I want to say the 60s or the 70s because um, you see him like start in the 1800s and work up to the point where he is now. Um, there's a part where he's in like a traveling circus and he has to like fight Hellboy in a boxing match, uh, which is really entertaining to see. But it's tying him into, from what I can tell, into some, like, really old school, almost, like, Mexican folklore, it seems like, a little bit. Yeah, it gets pretty interesting. Um, I'm pulling it up right now. Because he gets, he, like, falls into this cave, and he gets healed by this witch. And there's all these, like, uh, statues. There's, like, these statues all around him that are definitely, like, they look more like Mayan. Um, than anything and then he gets hunt he's like being hunted down by this like evil guy who col- like collects creatures and he like sends this winged chick after him who you find out is i am not going to pronounce this correctly but you find out she is iblifica the 22nd spirit under belial consort to marcho sahis formerly of pandemonium and the order of the fly but yeah that's the kind of shit you're getting into with a mike mcnola comic but it's it was a really like entertaining fun issue um and it's the first one there's only going to be five issues of it so uh i really i really enjoyed it and i like to bring up like bring up mike mcnola whenever i can because 
Yeah. I love Hellboy, and I think he's criminally underrated in the comic book scene. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I I love Hellboy as well. I think you're spot on when it comes to the occultism thing. Like, anytime Hellboy references any kind of, like, ancient religion or ritual or something, um, Mike Mignola always comes up with such, like, a detailed, vibrant description of it. Um, and he does a great job of bringing it to page. I also love any time that we can get the character of Frankenstein, like Frankenstein's monster, into comics. Uh, one of my favorite runs of comics probably ever uh, was uh, Grant Morrison's Seven Soldiers of Victory. Yeah. And within there, like Frankenstein is like, he speaks like Victorian English and is really like conflicted about like, you know, what what kind of like being he is and human and stuff like that. And um, I, I just like... You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I like seeing them buck the trend when it comes to Frankenstein's monster being like just a big dumb oaf. And hearing that Mike Mignola is doing this book, I'm going to have to pick up Frankenstein Underground too, so. Definitely, yeah, definitely check it out. There's this really cool scene where the guy is like studying him and uh, like one of his friends asks like, why are you so obsessed with this creature? Um, and he says, he goes, the alchemists grew life in their jars working with formulas passed down to them from the ancients, but this creature has been cobbled together from dead parts by a mere boy and made to live. How? And so um, it's just, I don't know, I, th- I thought it was really cool that um, there, you can tell like he's going to dive into the origin story of like Frankenstein, but he's definitely going to put like that Mignola twist on it. He already has in this issue, like it definitely is alluding to like some sort of Definitely some sort of ancient like oh magic has something to do with him coming to life. I just so. pulled up the I just pulled up the page on the Dark Horse website so I could put it in the show notes and man, that cover looks fucking great. Dude, that cover Mike Mike Mignola on anything. I mean the, the art in the comic is um Mignola esque, but it's it's not him. It's still very good, but just like God, anytime you see it's so dis- he has one of the most distinctive touches in comics ever. And I like the kind of the kind of physique that they went for with like Frankenstein's monster. You know, he really isn't just some giant like hulked out dude. Um, you know, with like a giant triangle chest or whatever. Giant triangle chest. Triangle man. Triangle man. <laughs> Does everything a triangle can. Sorry. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, the other image book that uh, I uh, enjoyed this week was uh, Secret Identities. I know, uh, like. Uh, Ryan and Kelsey, you guys didn't really get a chance to hop into it, but if you guys have a chance, uh, Secret Entities number one uh, came out uh, two or three weeks ago, um, and we got a kind of a look at this team called the. Uh, dang, what are they? What are they called? I can't remember. I feel really bad now. Uh, Frontliners, um, and uh, they kind of you know solve some. They they start the issue off with them fighting some villains that show up, and then that only lasts for like a page of finding the villains. Two maybe. There's three pages of like some development, and there's two pages of fighting, and then the rest of it is like almost all like character development of the individual people inside the the team. Um, and God, it does such a great job of, I feel like everyone kind of hashes out some issues. You learn a little bit about each and every one. And then there's this gorgeous, like two page violent spread right in the middle. And I got to say that, uh, Jay Farber, Brian Jones on, the on the, the writing seem to be doing a great job. And, uh, Ilias Kirazis, Kirazis, <laughs> I think. Good try. Uh, Elias. I think it's Elias Kirazis. 
uh, is doing the cover and the interior art. So uh, the color looks good, the art looks good, and uh, I don't know. I like seeing six brand new superheroes and kind of also seeing how all of them deal with like life outside of being a superhero. Like one of them is totally unmasked and doesn't have an identity, but the rest of them do. And I don't know. It's it's just very interesting. So we will get a chance to see just how that ends up going along. I like listening to Ryan's like furious little fingers as he's like live tweeting away. <laughs> I'm trying to keep up guys. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. <laughs> Um, but uh, is there anything else that you guys um, that I think we missed in terms of comics this week? Oh, I know what I wanted to talk about. Uh, Lumberjanes number 12 came out this week from Boom Studios. Another great issue. I don't have a a lot to say about it except that it was good and that I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, I, I think... You know, too often, you know, Ryan, like you said, in that Dark Horse book out there, too often I think sometimes we just rely on the same old three um, publishers. But, you know, there are a lot of great comics out there as well. So if you guys have any other <clears throat> comics that you guys really enjoy or things that you guys, um, you know, want us to talk about in the same vein, let us know. Um, Kels, did you get a chance to read Lumberjanes this week? Um, I skimmed most of it, but okay. there's dinosaur fights. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, girl power and dinosaur fights. Like, it's... I feel like I don't even have to say anything more about the comic, and all of you should be buying it right now. So I like my favorite line of the entire thing is, turn into a bear now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, if, if you guys aren't reading Lumberjanes, we've recommended it several times in the past. It's just a fantastic, fantastic comic. Uh, yeah, it's great. And Noelle Stevenson is just this tiny little wonder, and we love her. So yeah, and, please and, support them. And we all saw just how wonderful she was when she wrote that uh, the arc in the Thor annual just a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah. Uh, she wrote yeah. The, the Lady Hammerpants arc, which we love so much. So. <laughs> Um, you know, so. I wanted to point out too, real quick, since we're on the topic of mm-hmm. like uh, studios that we don't mention a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Monkey Brain Comics, um, but Monkey Brain Comics is a mostly uh, high quality. They're high quality digital comics, um, and it's an outlet by um, Chris Robertson, uh, who wrote Eye Zombie, which we didn't talk about. Damn it! And I wanted to because the <laughs> premiere was fucking awesome. Uh, so we'll talk about that next time. Uh, but he launched it, and it was just kind of a way to get creator-owned comics out on the market, like in kind of an easier, like than as much as we love Image, like it's definitely harder to get like a published book out. It's much easier to yeah. do if you do it in a digital format. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been checking them out, uh, like Monkey Brain. They do a lot of their stuff um, through Comixology. All of the creators like get directly paid usually the issues are like a dollar and there are tons and tons and tons of really great interesting comics on the website it's monkeybrains.com uh and you can go check it out and everything will link you to where you can like exactly where you can buy the comic there's just a ton of stuff on there there's i mean there's a comic called code monkey save world um (laughs) which that name alone like should get you interested uh but there's just uh i was looking through it last week and there's just a lot of really good stories and um i know they've been like up and coming for a while now and i just started getting into them because i was looking at like chris robertson's stuff because of a zombie so it's definitely something to check out and if you're a comic book creator who's trying to get noticed and like trying to get out there um like this is what it's made for like chris robertson made this for people like you so definitely look into it because it's it's an easy um vehicle to get noticed and to get your name out there and to get people reading your stuff yeah and i and i think you know you mentioned like the the ease of publishing in digital 
I know there have been a lot of comics, at least recently, that have kind of started out in in like a web comic-y format that, you know, now people are able to, you know, make the plunge from going where, you know, we've written uh, 60 issues of this web comic and we can collect it all together, roll it into a trade paperback and use it to launch a tr- an actual paper comic that we're going to be releasing for the same characters and stuff. I think uh, outlets like Monkey Brains create a nice, you know, middle ground there that you know hopefully works out really well for them so i'll put it i'll put that link in the show notes as well so you guys if you want to uh take a peek at the uh, monkey brains you say do you have something else as well ryan or oh no that was it okay cool um and then uh, other than that folks i think that will be the cast for the week uh like we said the last few weeks we are available on itunes once again and uh just like i said last week we've seen a big jump and the uh, viewers who or viewers, I mean, gosh, I'm sorry, the listeners who have downloaded the show uh, or accessed it at least through the iTunes store. So keep that up, guys. Um, you know, if you guys would like to follow the show very easily, you can always subscribe to the cast on iTunes so that every week when this finally gets put up, it goes straight into your iTunes library. You don't even have to worry about downloading it. Um, if you guys would like to just follow the show directly, you can always do it at the Podbean site or through the Twitter at 2G1G Talk Comics. Uh, as usual, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time. To hear more of Two Guys, a Girl, in a Comic Book podcast, or to share your thoughts and comic recommendations, follow us on Twitter at 2G1G Talk Comics. That's the number 2G, the number 1G Talk Comics. Or if you'd like to email the show directly, you can do so at Two Guys and a Girl Talk Comics at gmail.com all letters this time as always you can find more episodes of the show by visiting our podbean at two guys and a girl talk once again thank you guys so much for listening to the show and we'll see you next time <laughs>